listening to episode 43, chapter 3 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Josh Havens. And I'm Chris Lamberth. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that he would help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. And today we're continuing our conversation with Jenny Abel, co-author of Shaped by Suffering. Jenny Abel is an editor and writer for Reflections Ministries and for Omnibus Media Ministries. She's co-authored the book, A Guide to Practicing God's Presence, as well as the book, Shaped by Suffering, with Kenneth Boa. She has over 15 years of experience in editing, writing, and communications, and she currently lives in Charlottesville, Virginia. We all experience suffering. It seems to be one of the great constants in life. So as Christians, the question we must ask is, how will we respond when suffering comes? The problem is that suffering comes to each of us in unique ways. There isn't a one-size-fits-all approach to suffering. What may cause deep suffering for one may not wound another as much. What we can count on is that Jesus will faithfully walk with us through our trials to show us who he is. And as we walk with him through the storms of life, we will learn to submit ourselves evermore to his lordship and be transformed into his likeness. In this chapter, Jenny tells the story of how God used her suffering to teach her contentment and submission as he transformed her more into the image of Christ. Her story represents just one form that suffering may take, but shows the faithfulness of Jesus to walk with us through every trial and circumstance. I'd like to go back to your story a little bit and talk to you a little bit about how you how how God used your um your suffering in this longing to bring about change and transformation in you. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you went from, you know, maybe experiencing those initial feelings of you know, something is wrong here, this this isn't going to happen to um you, you talk about it, coming to a place of acceptance and then understanding that God was actually going to use this in your life to change you? Mm-hmm. Well, it was, you know, 11 years. It, it was a lot of ups and downs. And there's so much I could say there. Um, I will say that I, I journaled throughout that time. And I'm so thankful I did because I went back through my journals the other day in preparation um, for another interview that I was doing. And I could see how God, I mean, it was literally, it was just a, a back and forth between me and God. You know, I, I think initially there was this sense of, I'm not getting what I want. And, you know, I pray a little harder um, and try to figure out what was going wrong. Um, and so there was very much a me analyzing it, me trying to figure out why this part of my life was not working out. Um, and and then, you know, I would get disillusioned with the fact that, you know, God didn't seem to be answering, um, but I would dive a little deeper. And then there were periods of, you know, feeling disheartened. I don't think I ever reached the point of, you know, being clinically depressed, but obviously days where I just felt very down about it. Um, and there's there's sort of the, there's the private side of this, but then there was also the public side of it. You know, there's the questions that you get, like people asking, when are you going to have kids? And well, why why don't you have kids? And so... I had to deal with both of those at the same time. Um, But I think there is a point several years in where I really started wrestling more deeply with the fact that, okay, um, you know, God has said, ask and 
you shall receive. And I was asking and I wasn't receiving. Um, there were things that just verses that were in the Bible that would suggest to me that, you know, that he was going to, you know, he, he settles the barren woman um, in her home, the happy mother of children. What is this verse doing here? And like, why is it not happening for me? Um, and I think I came to a point where I really just was pretty open with God saying, this isn't happening. Why not? And, um, and I wanted to trust him and I wanted to know that he was good and that he loved me and that he had the best plan for my life. Um, but I think oftentimes I just, I didn't, even though I said I believed that, I don't know that I actually believed it because I think I thought my vision for my life of having sort of the normal life of the husband and the two kids and, you know, just kind of having the normal, typical family life. Um, I think I, I felt like, why is he withholding that? It's a good desire. It didn't make sense to me why he wouldn't fulfill a desire that he himself had told me was told us um, is good. And, you know, we're supposed to be fruitful and multiply. And so I was constantly wrestling with what does that mean if you don't have kids? And I think I had single friends that I would wrestle um, with some of these things with because I could relate to them on some level if they were at a place where they wanted to be married and, and weren't. Um, and I think that's when, when I just, I really started to realize, okay, I am, I'm just stuck in my own view here. And, and I was not, and this is where the, um, the chapter in the book where I tell a little bit of my story, um, it's, uh, I believe it's titled Submitting to God or Submit to God. Um, and I, I realized as I was working on this book with Ken that I had not really totally submitted my plan for my life to God and said, okay, I'm done with my plan. I want your plan. And I think um, I have, I, there's a specific day a couple summers ago where I remember looking in the mirror and, and just thinking, if my life is such that I'm not going to have kids, am I going to be okay with that? And I, I wanted to know that if he did not fulfill this desire, that I would, that I would be content. I didn't want to live a life that was just constantly, you know, wallowing in this thing that I didn't have. I really did want to be kind of free of that desire. Um, but I think as, as a female, that, that is a, an inborn desire to, um, for at least most of us, to have children if we're married. And so I looked in the mirror that day and I said, you know, God has said that the two greatest things we can do are to love him with all our heart and mind and soul and to love others. And I kind of realized, you know what, that is the fruitful life. And making other disciples, you know, of him, that is, not that raising our own children is not important. Um, that's super important too. But if we don't have children, um, we need to still be able to do the things that God has said are fruitful. And I think I kind of realized at that point, the fruitful life is whatever it is that he has called me to live. And it does not need to look the way that I want it to, it to look. Um, so, so, you know, I wouldn't say that I came to that realization and suddenly everything was better. I think I still had days where I felt down and it was very much a daily sort of going back to God again and continually just saying, no, like, I'm not going to believe this lie that you are going to withhold the best life that you have for me. Like, I, I believe that your plan is best. Um, so then there's this crazy thing that happened, which is that we finished working on this book and I was starting to really work all this stuff out um, and come to a better place of contentment with God in this whole issue. Um, and within days of when we were about ready to submit the manuscript to University Press, I found out I was pregnant. Um, mm -hmm. 
So <laughs> I don't think it was a coincidence that I had written this entire book on suffering with Ken and suddenly at the end my trial was over. Um, and I, not that I will never have trials again because I'm sure that that's, you know, obviously inevitable. Um, other parts of my life, you always, grass is always greener on the other side, right? Like you always think that if I only had that one thing, everything would be better, but I'm sure now I'll be worrying about other things. Um, but, but needless to say, I truly, like, I felt at the end of that, that God was just saying, you know, wow, like this is, this is the purpose that you, that you went through that so that you could encourage others and so that you could have this perspective. Um, I wouldn't have had it otherwise. That's great. You know, I'm, I'm struck by uh, just the different aspects of the way that God was using that, that really that time of suffering to, to transform you, not in one way, but in, in several ways. And I think we underestimate that sometimes when we're going through a, a particular trial or something that's painful that mm-hmm. we don't like. Um, we think that there's, there's one purpose or there's one thing, or we even dismiss it outright and treat it as a hurdle, something that we just have to get past so that we can live the life that God's called us to live. And I think in, in doing that, we miss out on uh, some very valuable things. One of the things that I think we really miss out though, on, though, is this aspect of community and suffering together. So if we, if we focus too much on what God's doing in us, I think sometimes we can miss what God wants to do, not just in us, but in the relationships that we have with other people. And so I'm, I'm actually kind of curious, and if you don't mind uh, answering this question, uh, We'd love to have it in there. If not, then we can cut this and that's no problem. But so I'm kind of curious how this period of suffering uh, was used to help grow your marriage. How did, how did God use the, the suffering to, to transform your relationship with your husband? I would say that one of the things is that, you know, especially I think with something like infertility, although I think it could be a lot of different things. Um, if you're married, you don't necessarily process things in the same way at the same time. And I think that was certainly true for both Ben and I. Um, We were not necessarily going through infertility in the same way. Like our questions weren't the same. We weren't always seeing eye to eye on things like, you know, asking about, well, should we adopt or, you know, just different other things. And so I think, um, I think for us, our marriage grew, well, obviously it grew stronger, partly because we were it was just the two of us and we had time to work on our marriage and to learn to communicate well and to grow the intimacy in our relationship that we wouldn't have grown otherwise. Um, But I think also it helped us learn how to appreciate the fact that we were each different and that that was okay, that we each had different things that we were bringing to the table. Um, And and so I would say it, it just enriched our ability, I guess, to understand each other and to be sympathetic toward one another. Um, The way I was processing infertility was a little bit more like Hannah in the Bible. You know, it was crying out to God out of bitterness and wondering why, why am I not having children and praying with all my heart that I would. And, and my husband was not completely unlike her husband and saying, but I'm happy with you. Am I not enough? And and so um, that story, I actually love that story because I think it's such a typical um, thing that happens in a marriage when you're going through infertility. And um, and I think I 
you know, I did, I was very happy with Ben, but it was like, but I also want a child, you know? And so yeah. I think just the two of us coming to a little bit more understanding of one another. Um, and I, I think it also, it transformed my relationship with a, a lot of people in my life. I mean, there are relationships in my life today that I wouldn't have had if I hadn't gone through infertility. There was um, a period where I felt very down and just, you know, like I, I wanted to nurture, I wanted to have this sense of pouring into others and I didn't have that with the child at home. So there was one year where I reached out to international students and I, I got connected with one particular young lady that is now, I kind of consider her like my little sister and she and I are very close friends. Um, and she became a Christian while we were in Bible study together. And then I was able to, you know, we were, we were in Bible study for several years and I was able to pour into that relationship. I mean, I, I never would have had that, that relationship if I had not been going through what I was going through. I guess we could go into my own story, but we don't have to right now. I've, I've mentioned it before on the podcast. I'll, I'll give it in a nutshell though. Uh, about six, seven years ago, I went through a really, really deep depression. My wife and I had moved out of state to work at a, a campgrounds and, um, out there it was, it was kind of the point where all of my, uh, attempts to keep up the facades of just good Christian behavior and, uh, what it meant to be a good Christian kind of fell to pieces and I was left with nothing. And so in the middle of that remote campgrounds in rural Iowa, honestly, it's one of the deepest, darkest places I've ever been in my life. And I found that in those, those moments when all I could do was curl up on the couch and wait for morning to come, um, and, and my wife would just sit there with me and be with me or, uh, and take care of me in other ways, um, were really great for really uh, kind of like what you're describing, bringing me out of myself. Because at that point I realized that my suffering wasn't affecting just me and I couldn't have, I, I couldn't wallow in my own self-pity and think that the suffering was just something that I had to get past because I could tell that it was really causing her some pain as well. And Honestly, that, that time for us, I don't know that I would want to go through it again, but I don't also wouldn't trade that time because we've grown closer together in ways that I don't think we ever could have had we gone through a life without that suffering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, one of the books I read um, in preparation for working on Shape by Suffering was called uh, Darkness Visible, I think it was. Um, it's by William Styron, and it's it's a really a memoir about his descent into depression and what it was like. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Um, I'm not. It it opened my actually my husband read it first, and and I you know he and I don't always have similar reading tastes, but I asked him, hey, what are you reading? And I realized maybe that would be useful to me, and so I read it, and it was it was very eye opening to me to read um, somebody's sort of attempt to describe what it's like to be in depression and um, just the sense of being trapped and the sense of not being able to get out of, of that sense of darkness. Um, and I'd, I guess I, I've had moments of being down, but it, for me, um, I never went to that extent, but I think it, it was eye-opening for me to read that and to, to understand. I think when I was working with Ken on the book, I had that book in mind because this book, Shape by Suffering, I didn't want it to just be 
cheap words or trite words that are just, you know, hey, everything's going to be okay. Um, to a lot of people who are in the middle of a deep place and suffering, it doesn't feel like it's going to be okay. And it's really hard to get out of that. And um, one of the chapters where we talk about hope, um, we address, you know, what do you do when you just can't feel hope? And if, if you're in the middle of a dark place, how do you get out of that? And um, I think I, I really, it's important to emphasize, I think that a sense of hope in the Christian life is more about the object of your hope. It's more about God himself and what he's done. And it's less about your feelings of, of that. And I think it's our faith and our hope can be weak, but he is always strong. And so if the object of, of our faith and hope are strong, that's what matters the most. I'm encouraged every time I hear Christians talk about their suffering the way Jenny does. Viktor Frankl, a Jewish psychiatrist and survivor of the Nazi concentration camps in World War II, observed that people who have a why to live can bear with almost any how. In other words, no matter how painful life becomes, human beings have a tendency to endure as long as there's meaning in the pain. Suffering as a Christian, whether it's the result of some specific sin or just the brokenness of the world around us, always has meaning because we can know that God is always at work to transform us. It's not that he causes the suffering or the pain, but he's good enough to use it to shape us and transform us into the image of Jesus. So I want to challenge you this week to tell your story to someone else. And don't worry if you haven't found meaning in your story yet, because the more we tell our story, the more we begin to see God's work in the middle of it. Plus, you never know, it may be that the person who hears your story may be going through a tough time themselves. And your story could be the story God uses to give them hope when they don't see God's purpose in the pain. How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we wanna help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. And we have a tool that's going to help you do just that. It's called the Daily Growth Journal. It's a guided journal that's going to help you become secure in your identity with God and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship. And the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Jenny's work with Kenboa, check out kenboa.org. Then check out the next chapter in our conversation where Jenny unpacks the ways Christians can learn to find hope in the midst of suffering. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. <music>